HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I'm Will Harris, and today's program has been brought to you by White Oak Pastures. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah, that cat is high. Look that look in his eyes. Oh man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, I've got a new buddy of mine, Justin Noel of 1534, proprietor and beverage director there, and also uh, portfolio manager of Prestige Brands, which includes Oxy Gin and Corzo Tequila. Welcome to the show, Justin. Cheers, buddy. Thanks. I'm glad to have you on the show. I'm glad to be here. Cool, man. Um, so, we actually... Met pretty recently. A lot of times, uh, kids on my show are, are people I've known for a little while, and uh, I, you know, we we had met in passing a few times, I think, and uh, just around you know the whole the whole scene and the whole industry. Um, but I'm glad to uh, get to know you recently and uh, have you on the show. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah so uh, I was gonna say it's been one of those things where like uh, your name has come up and I've been around, and it was a uh, till, till recently. First time we've actually been able to sit down and chat and actually get to know each other. So it was a, a pretty good, uh, you know, it was a highlight of the last couple months, man. So I appreciate that. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, pleasure's all mine. So to get started, let's talk a little bit about uh, the brands that you manage. I mean, these are definitely like uh, like Oxley Gin. It's a very, very unique gin. I've had Paul Franich on the show who... Uh, uh, who is now in New Zealand, back in New Zealand, where he's from. And uh, he's a very cool guy. He was actually uh, repping for 42 Below, which is New mm-hmm. Zealand's like premier like vodka brand. But he was also working a little bit with uh, Oxley. And that's when I first heard about it. But the process of making that gin is really unique. I mean, it's the only cold distilled gin or right. spirit on right. the market. Yeah, the only cold distilled spirit in the, uh, in the world right now. Um, so tell us a little bit about that process and what that means. Uh, well, cold distillation, um, which you know some some people might know or may not know, is actually not a relatively new thing. It's actually been used for a while in uh, in in making uh, like not medicine, but uh, like uh, cosmetics and stuff that, like and that, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, recently, um, spirits you've seen a a move towards different techniques in distillation and and production, and uh, oxy is actually 
an eight year process of trying to figure out how to uh, create this this product that actually is from start to finish um, completely clean, completely pure. Um, we use cold distillation, which in case people don't know, is basically the idea of putting something in a vacuum. Um, we have a big uh, vacuum machine that sucks out all the uh, the air in our still. Because of that, we can lower the boiling point to negative five degrees. Um, and because we're not really cooking anything, we can use fresh botanicals uh, because we're pulling off the uh, the elements um, at the rate that we want. So we keep the temperature between five, negative five and negative eight degrees Celsius. And uh, as a result, you get this really clean, crisp uh, product um, that is is relatively high in uh, in alcohol. It's ninety four proof, um, but because we don't have heads and tails, you when you smell it and you nose it and you taste it, it it smells lighter than it is. It tastes lighter than it is. But as a result, the uh, the crispness and the the quality is such that you can. It's almost one of the only gins that I know that you can almost drink straight, yeah, uh, or on the rocks and and really not have an aversion to it. Um, I mean, I have, there's a lot of great gins out there that I love in cocktail form, but if I was to actually drink it straight, sure. It's almost like drinking, you know, pine, pine salt at some point, (laughs) but, uh, you know, and there's a lot of great gins out there. Um, and I think with Oxley, because of our cold distillation method, we, we do get a nice crisp citrusy kind of a product that allows people to kind of, uh, to drink it straight or, or on the rocks or, and it works really well in cocktails. I mean, it's not. Uh, overly juniper uh, gin, um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's a unique process, and you know we don't. It's a, it's very labor intensive. We only produce about 240 liters uh, every two runs. We run the still five times a week, so roughly we produce about a thousand liters a week. So in terms of small batch uh, production, when you talk about small batch uh, spirits, I mean we're really really small batch, extremely small batch, so, tiny batch, yeah. Yeah, we should take a whole new category. Tiny batch, extremely tiny batch, um, and that's worldwide. So you know we're producing a thousand liters a week to be distributed throughout Europe, U.S. and and Asia. So I mean that's a relatively small amount, but uh, you know it's 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 uh, the gentleman who distill uh, the company that distills it and the gentleman who distills it is you know it's a labor of love for him. We the distiller, it's just one guy, so he's the one that puts all the botanicals into the. Uh, neutral grain spirit at the beginning of every run. He's the one that cleans the still. He's the one that runs it. Um, so, you know, in terms of like production, it's small batch and small operation. So, yeah. And just, you know, for our listeners, can you, uh, can you kind of explain like, like you said before, like being able to use like fresh botanicals, like as opposed to like what typically we're using like dried botanicals and distillation, like obviously you, you hit on it uh, a little bit, but I think, I think the well, I mean, I guess it's it's kind of almost self-explanatory. But but as far as like yeah. what are the what are the benefits for using like the Well, when you use, I mean, a lot of people uh don't realize that most most gins that you uh that you drink in the in to this in the you know, this time of day or uh, this time of age is uh this time of day. This time, <laughs> I, I drink gin at this time of day anyways. Uh but this time of age you uh they're almost always using dried. Yeah. Um and then when you get these really bold citrusy uh, gins, mostly it's from the uh, from like the coriander that they're using mm-hmm. um, more than the peels. Um, so with with what we do, 
you know, we can kind of uh, use fresh ingredients. And as a result, you get this really bright kind of citrus flavor yeah. notes. And, and it's and it's representative of the actual fruits themselves as opposed to the other dried botanicals that we're putting in there, like coriander or, or uh, cassia root or something like that. So, um, you know, we have 14 botanicals in our gin, um, but the f- dominant flavor notes with, with Oxley, because of the f- of the freshness of the ingredients, tend to be the uh, the citrus peel. Um, you get a bit of that peppery spice from juniper. And then uh, we use a unique ingredient in our gin uh, called uh, meadowsweet. Mm-hmm. And actually what Oxley means is, uh, in Anglo-Saxon, is uh, ox is like a, a field like to rest, and lay is a, a, a field of meadows. So basically Oxley means a, a field of meadows, at rest like um and that they use that to describe basically in in england there's a these large river banks of these white flowers and they're called meadow sweets so um we use the meadow sweet and actually when you distill with meadow sweet you get this kind of like almondy uh hazelnutty kind of flavor mm-hmm. so with oxley you know again it kind of goes citrusy, it definitely and like mellows out yeah. all the, the juniper too. That's so, cool. and I mean, and I guess with with what we do with the freshness, you know, and I can't speak about how other gins do their stuff, but because we use fresh botanicals, and you just like I said, there's just a vibrancy. Right. Um, it's again, if you're looking like you look at it like how we do cocktails, you know, if you take something that's uh, fresh versus something that's kind of like, uh, you know, you have to like rejuvenate to get going like you know some of these prepackaged citruses and stuff like that you could still make a really great cocktail out of that i mean i always feel like the person who's behind the stick is more important than uh in terms of executing the cocktail but you and i both know like if you've got everything fresh versus some stuff that's like maybe a couple days old or something that's like on its last legs it's different yeah there are two cocktails that come to mind when you say that (laughs) that I always wish that people would use fresh ingredients. Uh, first of all, brown derby. Oh yeah, like you. If you don't have like fresh, actual fresh grapefruit juice, like you have to, you might, you might have to modify it with like a, like a dash of lemon juice just to bring out the vibrancy right. of it. And then the uh, the Algonquin cocktail, which is you know it has pineapple juice and Ryan dry vermouth, and it's like hmm, that's weird. So you always have to kind of like church just, it up with something. Just to- never go to the Algonquin hotel and get one. Well, I, I know that, that that's unfortunate too. That like all these namesake cocktails, I mean, with the exception of like maybe the Silbach in Louisville, like then you can go there and get one, but you're not using any fresh ingredients. Yeah, it's in that. it's, it's kind of depressing. Hopefully, I, you're using a new <laughs> using a new bottle of champagne. But yeah, you hope. <laughs> I mean, the, the the bar there's that one bartender at uh, the Algonquin. I think he's been there since the the Algonquin Round Table. Uh, he's about like <laughs> ninety plus years old. Um, no, it's it's slightly depressing. I'll be honest. Like, I you know, there's so many. They still have that cat in the lobby, which yeah. is cool. That's you know, there's. I mean, there's so much history uh, in New York uh, with regards to the cocktail culture, as you know, um, and and a lot of these birthplaces of cocktails, like hotel lobbies and stuff like that. And you you try to go to them, and you know, it's just like it's like the it's a eighty ninety year hangover from when they yeah started and were you know the 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 pioneers of the scene. And now, and it's like, it's you know, it's it's a letdown. You mean, it's, you go in, you see this historic room, and you you feel like, you know, because that's what we we thrive on, you know, like at least, yeah. you know, when we do our history and our research, we're like, oh, this is awesome. I want to go see this place. And you go, and it's like, then you go in, and there's like flat screens everywhere. Yeah, or like you know, it's the, still an old. It's they still have the original Brunswick bar, but then they're 
flat screens everywhere. Yeah, flat screen. <laughs> and then you've got like the the bartender who's uh, pouring things out of a storm pour that's like all pre mixed, and you're like, and typically that. like union, so they don't yeah. give a shit. You know, it's 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 hard, man. It's you know, it, it can be insufferable at times. I mean, I went to uh, you know, King Cole Bar at the yeah. St. Regis, which is another great historical bar in New York, and you know, you go. And, you know, they're charging pretty penny for these drinks and you order like a classic cocktail and you end up getting this ultrally uh, ultra sweet or ultra bitter or ultra bad <laughs> some cases cocktail. And you're just like, wow, this is a this is this is, you know, this is not how I imagined. Yeah. The, the, you know, takes out the, the, the romantic ideal of what that actually is or was, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just comes to it just goes to show that like people like, and I don't know if it's resting on the laurels or what, but uh, you know, like you, I think you touched on it with regards to the union. I think once once some of these spots, you know, became unionized, the uh, the passion, creativity, and or just the uh, the attachment to their uh, traditions just goes out the window, and you know, yeah. and a lot of it just never recovered from you know pre from post prohibition. They just went right into. Uh, you know, quick and easy mixes and, and yeah. stuff like that and never recovered from it. So totally. I mean, I feel like there's a change coming up with that, especially like speaking on uh, hotel bars, especially with like, uh, you know, Julie Reiner taking on the program of the monkey bar and, uh, you know, the, uh, the rum house and the Edison hotel. I just had, uh, Michael Neff on a couple of weeks ago and, uh, then also, you know, for instance, the, uh, the Ace Hotel, which you uh, worked with on uh, the Breslin and, and the, the Ace Bar. And I, I feel like that appeal of, like, the hotel bar is starting to come back, you know. But it's just, it's going to take a, a little bit, you know. You've got the standard also. Yeah, I mean, we we actually, we did the, uh, uh, me and my business partners, we did uh, the Ace Hotel. Um, we also did uh, the Royalton Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, we relaunched that cocktail program last year. Um, no, I definitely agree. I mean, and then uh, Megan Dorman mm-hmm. did a, a project. Actually, I think at the Iroquois, right across the street from from the Royalton Hotel. Um, so I agree. I mean, I think the hotel bar. I mean, there's that romanticized idea uh, idea about um, hotel bars. Yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, Ace is more of like a modern interpretation of it. Sure, but I mean, but, it's, uh, but the spirit is there. No yeah, pun intended. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it definitely <laughs> is. I mean, you know, it's. I mean, it has all the the facets that you look for in a bar. Anyways, it's you know, hotel lobbies are, you know, places where people are are meeting. There's social interaction. There's usually some form of entertainment. And at a at a hotel, you you're staying there. Um, you're trying to make it your home. Yeah. Um, so you know you want my home has a bar in it, right? You want creature, <laughs> you want creature comforts. You want to be able to go downstairs and grab yeah. a drink and and either schmooze with your business partners or um, entertain your your wife or girlfriend or your boyfriend, and uh, you know and, and not have to like travel so far away. So you know I think the social aspects of the hotel bar bringing back that romanticized uh, view like, of the of the hotel lobby. Yeah. Which, I, I'm sto- I'm particularly stoked about because you know I travel a lot and I know you travel a lot yeah. for work, so it's always nice to be able to go um, grab a drink, congregate, meet up with friends in that spot before you know heading out or going to dinner or doing something else. So it's 
you know, it's nice to have that. Yeah, it's and it's it's a very like you kind of feel like you're living in a movie sometimes when you're at the uh, the hotel bar. You know, it's oh yeah, very Wes Anderson movie style. You kind of like almost take on like in your travels, you almost take on like a different persona. Like, yeah, easily. You get you get uh, you find some new quirks, and uh, I, I always find that like anytime you're at like a hotel bar, you end up drinking something that you would never drink at your regular bar. Like you, you'll just call out a different cocktail, or you'll like make something up on your own. Like I remember one time I was at a hotel bar and I decided I was I wasn't in a very good mood, and uh, I ordered a, a rye on the rocks with a few dashes of Tabasco. It's like, huh, huh? That's weird. Why hey. did I just think of doing that? <laughs> But it's actually delicious. Hey, you know, I, I think there's this, uh, there's that escapism that comes with that too. When you're outside of your 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 comfort zone, you're away from where you live and stuff like that. I mean, I like to go um, when I'm on vacation or away for work. Uh, I like to uh, go when I go to lobby bars, take on a different personality. Yeah, you totally. know, like dress up like almost like Tom Cruise and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, what's his name from Rain Man, uh, Dennis Hoffman, and kind of really do like. You know, snazzy dress up and kind of play a character or just kind of like mess around with like being being in that lobby being a character yeah because totally. you know a lot of the time when you go to uh hotels and and lobby bars or uh you you come across characters you're never really coming across that person that is actually who they are you're coming across the persona that they want you to to meet yeah so i give into that a little bit and do the same thing so. absolutely it- Speaking of escapism, we're going to escape for just a moment, and we're going to come right back, and we'll continue talking with Justin Noel. White Oak Pastures is a 146-year-old, multi-generational family farm that works in cooperation with nature to produce artisan meats that is safe, healthy, nutritious, and good to eat. Without fail, we ensure that our production practices are economically practical, ecologically sustainable, and that the animals are always humanely treated. We never falter in our determination to conduct our business in an honorable manner. For more information, visit whiteoakpastures.com. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. In the studio, my new buddy, Justin Noel, of Prestige Brands. Uh, that would be Oxley Gin and Corzo Tequila, which we, we kind of trailed off there in the first part. We talked a lot about gin, and then we kind of uh, talked about hotel bars. Uh, a little bit about Corzo Tequila. I actually worked with you guys uh, at the last year's um, Ultimate uh, Spirits Challenge. 
That was cool. I I always like the packaging. It looks very like kind of Frank Lloyd Wright, mm-hmm. <laughs> like as far as the pour spout and the waterfall thing goes. But uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Corzo Tequila. Well, uh, you're not too far off with regards to like the design of the bottle. Uh, gentleman who designed the bottle uh, is actually the guy who designs uh, a lot of Chanel uh, perfume packages and clothing oh, wow. packages. It's a guy by the name of Frank Barini. Um, and then the the pour top is actually designed after a uh, a water uh, fountain in Cabo. Oh wow! Cool. Um, but uh, yeah, Corzo is a nailed it. <laughs> Corzo is a uh, a unique um, tequila expression. Um, you know, I think a lot of bartenders in the community uh, we get really fixated on tradition and stuff like that, and and uh, we're very open to uh, to different expressions of ryes and whiskeys and gins and vodkas and and whatnot, and then we get really I guess traditional when it comes to Mexican products like mezcal and, and tequila, um, but we, you know, we we triple distill, um, and then we do something that's very unique, uh, and that's double age. So almost, you know, except for the silver, all of our uh, tequilas, the Repo and the the Añejo see both new American oak and new French oak, right. and the uh, the silver rests in. Uh, New American oak for three months before we distill twice more. So, really, kind of like trying to blend that marriage of agave and wood. Uh, really try to like um, we call it double aging, double mellowing. So, really trying to just mellow out some of the uh, the harsher notes that you get with certain di- types of tequila. Um, we are Highland tequila made in Hira- uh, made in Aranda, so our uh, agaves are. You know, as you know about Highland tequilas, Highland tequilas are a little bit sweeter, more floral than your Lowland tequilas. So, um, so yeah. So what we do is, uh, you know, we distill once, put it, everything, our silvers, our repo and yeo, is all starts off the same, uh, goes into New American Oak, sits there for about fifty three days. Then we take it out. Silver gets bottled uh, after we distill twice more. Uh, the other products we distill twice more, and then we stick in uh, New French Oak for an extended amount of time. The repo goes from three months to about ten months, and then the añejo is about a year to about a year and a half, and then we just blend everything for consistency. So it's you know again it's uh, I I love it. I think it's a you know it's a unique interpretation of, of tequila. Um, I think tequilas much like any other products you have. It's good to see people doing different things because I think if everybody is continually doing the same thing. Um, you don't have any diversity in the category. And, sure. You know, everybody has their favorite style of tequila. Everybody has their favorite brands. Um, my thing is education. I'm all about trying to just explain what we do and how we do it and why we do it. And as a result, that's what we get is this particular product. So, yeah. I mean, like, <clears throat> I'm glad you said that because, first of all, I, I, I really like Corsa tequila. But it, it, um, what you were saying about the education on the different the different styles of spirits of like one particular category is really important because you said like everyone has their brand that they like they may not know why they like it they may have and you never know as a bartender like or even as a person repping for a brand why they like the tequila like a tequila or a gin or a vodka or a whiskey hell even the whole spectrum of spirits like why mm-hmm. do you drink that why why do you drink vodka when there are all these other things or why do you drink whiskey when you might like rum or like you know right. whatever it is but it's definitely there's definitely like a 
a need for the education of these different spirits and even in that certain class of different spirits in their own. So as a bartender, I mean, like the cool thing we use, you work with these brands, but you also uh, are a proprietor of 1534 mm-hmm. uh, in Soho. And it's a great bar. And like Appreciate that's it. one one cool thing that of many that I that I uh, really respect about you as a bartender and a brand uh, manager is that you are really into the education side of it, you know, and you have to. I mean, like, especially because if you get somebody coming in and they're like, uh, I'll take an absolute and cranberry, and you're like, okay, sure. Have you had like Tito's or, you know, whatever? You're like, hey, man, try this out. I mean, obviously, you're not going to taste much of it when you start throwing like right. fake ass cranberry juice on top of it, but you know what I mean? No, but I, I, I you touched on it. I mean, I think, I think a lot of bartenders um, forget that they're. But one of their roles is to is to help educate the general public. Sure. Um, you know, I don't call my customers that come in there like uh, clients or, or guests. I mean, they're 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 friends of the establishment, and uh, you know, when they come in to drink, they're they're looking for an experience. And I think when you can sit down and talk to them and educate them about different things, because most people come in, they're not really as educated as you or I. Um, I mean, that's. And there's people at home that like are really into spirits and stuff like that, but that's not the majority of people. So when they come into your venues, they're looking for a reason to drink. And if you can sit down and explain to them like, all right, well, you know, Hey, I really like gray goose or I really like Belvedere. All right. That's cool. Nothing against that. But have you tried something else? You might tell me that you don't like gin. Well, everybody at one point didn't like gin. Everybody had. Oh, we all we yeah. all went through the Snoop Dogg yeah. phase. Everybody where we had really had like Seagrams or oh, like yeah. some shitty. You just have really bad gin, and you're just like turned off for life. But once you, you know, you if you're, same thing with tequila too. Oh yeah, I mean, hell, like Jose Cuervo ruined oh, majority of people off tequila and mezcal. I mean, mezcal with the worm for years. There was like, you know, or us, with the scorpion. Us, oh, that's I've even, eaten many a scorpion <laughs> off the the blade of a switchblade. There you go. I mean, that's that's hardcore right there. But no, you you know, and I think it's if people are, you know, if you if you know what you're talking about and you can do it in a proper way, like there's nothing worse than having somebody jam something down your throat, like, yeah. oh, you've got it like this because of that, like this is the best product ever, like, okay, like you're really into it, you're really educated, but there's a way of doing it that I think, you know, people will respect, and if you, I think majority of people are very open to uh, trying new things and Absolutely. getting into it. You just have to you have to do it, and when when you can do that properly, I, it, it makes my job better. I love I love that component of it. I love then being able to teach my staff how to do that because I think a lot of young guys in this industry, um, the patience level is not there, and so they 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 have the components of education, they're learning, but then when the person doesn't want to like really bite, they get they get a little impatient or impatient I should say impatient not a word impatient <laughs> uh, with them and and are really like quick to like almost go on the defensive and you know? I mean at the end of the day like th- this person's wanting to put money in your pocket you know they're willing to put money in the register and tip you understand that first and then let them you know let them take where that you know let them allow you to go where you want to go don't try to force you know stuff down their throat because yeah. it's just they're gonna they're gonna fight it but so. also it's a point of service it's like you you as a bartender you can it's, and just to expand on your point, it's like 
So you've got the 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 person who likes Bombay White Label, you know, and which I actually like. Oh, Bombay Jerry's uh, great. Yeah. So you know, if there's something new, like for instance, Oxley, you know, it's like you can be like, all right, put these side by side, just like taste them and you know, not be a, not be a jerk about it, but like tell me which one you like more. And they'll be like, oh, I like this one more. This is this is Bombay Dry. And they'll be like, oh, wait a minute. No, that's Oxy. You know, like, there are certain things, like, and as far as, like, the, the cost for the bar, for the house, it's like, dude, if you set up three, like, a flight of, like, mm-hmm. tiny pours of, like, whiskey or rum or whatever, and it's like, oh, I really like this one. And you're like, oh, well, that's actually, that's El Dorado 15 year, or, you know, whatever it is. And then, like, oh, thanks for showing me that. They're going to not only be stoked that you like turn them on to something new but they'll also like come back to your bar just based yeah. on that and that but that might have been one person that was just coming in that one day yeah and you know and then you've got you've retained somebody for you know who knows how long um it's funny because i feel like you know being in this industry and working on a couple different sides of it i find that the con- the, the average person the consumer is more enthusiastic about learning than well, they're, they're at these certain types of bars yeah, for a reason for a reason you know if you i mean i if I just want to drink, I'm not going, you know, let's say I'm just walking by and I, I feel like I'm just thirsty and I want to drink. I'll stop in any regular bar. I'm not sure. going to a specific destination for a reason. Like if there's a game on, I'll go watch at a sports bar. If, uh, if I'm going to dinner, I'll have a drink at a restaurant, but you, you know, you go into our establishments or a cocktail bar or something like that you're going there for the purpose of having a cocktail and having this experience that people have read about and talked about. Um, and I find that the consumers that come in, the guests, the patrons of our establishment, are more enthusiastic about learning than I think they get credit for. And I actually find it more difficult to kind of like talk to bar managers and other uh, beverage directors about products because you can say nerds. No, not nerds. I'm talking <laughs> about. I mean, I'm talking about people who just run establishment. Yeah. I think that they get very. It's almost like a territorial thing. I mean, but bartenders were very territorial as it is with regards to our establishment. So we've, we've, we're very inclined to maybe, but I, I feel not, like it's not everybody, but there are times like there's people who, I guess they, you know, they're, they're reluctant. I'll say reluctant to, to really kind of like sit down and, and, and do like a flight and kind of really, you know, figure out why do you carry five different rums? You know, like I remember when, uh, I was going in with the rum brand that I was working with for a very long time you know, going into establishments and you see 18 flavored vodkas, some carrying five different styles of orange vodka. And yet you had four rums and you're like, why do you, why are you carrying five different flavors of orange vodka? Right. You know, four rums that are completely similar in style. Like, you know, the categories of each style of spirit are so diverse and it, all it takes is, you know, opening your mind a little bit and, 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 and understanding that, Jamaican rum tastes like this. Barbados rum tastes like that. Uh, Highland tequila tastes like that. Lowland sure. tequila tastes like that. And and then expounding upon that to understand that there's differences between these products for a reason. And if, like, as I said before, if they all taste the same, we would only need to have five products on our back bar. Yeah, sure. So. I mean, that's a really good point, actually. Um, it's something that I think about, and I'm sure you think about, like, of course, like when you're setting up a bar. It's like, why would you have six different versions of the same product but a lot of times the same brand it's like mm. why would you have everything by one brand right you pick 
the one or two you like. I mean, like, unless of course it's Van Winkle, then of right. course you want as much. Then you, you want as get. many as possible. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's that's something that I really respect about brands like, like, um, like Maker's Mark. They never did well, except for the forty six. But that's very recent. You know, like it was always just Maker's Mark. There weren't any age statements. You know, that were different from the other. It was just Maker's Mark. Here we go. This is our product. Like it. You know, and the same thing with like, you know, Oxley and Corso. Like, of course, you've got three different age expressions, but you have that with every tequila brand. Right. So, I mean, like, that's to me, it's like, do if you can do like one thing really, really well, then do that really well. Don't start like, because when people start going off to these different expressions and oh, yeah. start it gets, flavoring, it gets things. crazy at times. I mean, you see like the new trend in uh, tequila, for example, you know, people are doing the clarified añejos yeah. and, and, or trying to do like these, uh, um, I mean, I think extra nail as a category is great and it's moving up, but, uh, you know, you're taking, you're seeing different things in tequila and, you know, it's great to see people trying to push the, the borders of what's going on. Cause, uh, you know, what else can be done at times, but you know, some of it's a little gimmicky and it can be a little yeah. bit much and you're like, really? Like you're taking this and you're going to clarify it. Yeah. And so. Well, it's fun to play around, but no, it is. I mean, that's what makes that's what makes important our to get down to business. Right. I mean, yeah. that's what makes our industry exciting is that you know, there's every day there's something there's something new that comes out, and there's somebody who's trying to uh, get you to try it and play around. And, and every bartender who's now moved into making spirits on their own are trying to make something that we as fellow bartenders want and appreciate. I mean, there's a lot of guys that we know who've started their own company. Uh, solely on distill to distill products that are geared towards the bartender and stuff like that. So I'm yeah. I'm excited about that because it's it's a entrepreneurship that I I didn't see coming in our industry. Yeah. And it's great to see guys who didn't want to go into the whole owning a bar or running a bar going into that that realm because it's it kind of starts opening doors for, for more of us to like, okay, well maybe if after a couple of years of bartending I'm I'm I don't really want to open up my own spot. Maybe and I still want to stay in this. Maybe there's there's an avenue at that that yeah. side of things. So, well, speaking of uh, opening a bar and new and exciting things, you just uh, dropped your new cocktail menu yesterday at fifteen thirty four. Did yep. And you're going to be there tonight. I will be there Fine tonight. Yeah. Cool man. So if you're around and you want to come by and try one of the many new uh, cocktails that we have there, please feel free to do. We're on Twenty Prince Street between Elizabeth and Mott below uh, Jacques. Uh, Bistro, which is upstairs, uh, Caddy Court to Cafe Havana, and uh, I will be the good-looking gentleman behind the bar with uh, <laughs> a semi-shaved beard. So <laughs> awesome, Justin! Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it's it. It's been Thanks. a really uh, awesome time talking to you, and I can't wait to uh, come to your bar tonight and try some of these new drinks. Appreciate it, man. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to the next time, man. Cheers. All right, cool. Check out 1534. I'm Damon Bolte. We'll see you next week on The Speakeasy. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. Yes, he's high. Man, he's higher than a guy. That cat is high. Look at that look in his eye.